Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 48 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and here with me tonight is my typical, usual co-host, Andrew McQuiston. Andrew, how you doing, man? Doing good. Ready to tackle some more of this ADP stuff. Yeah, that's the plan tonight. We're going to dive back into that again, and we're going to go over 50 through 100 and talk about who we like and who we don't like. Uh, If you didn't listen to last week's episode, we talked about the top 50 in that one. So if you didn't hear it and you want to hear us talk about the top 50 players, go give that a download. But that's what we're going to do tonight and also talk about a little bit of the news going on this week. But it is Monday. It's the first Monday of or the first day of the winter meetings that are going on right now, Andrew. And got a question for you with, you know, rumors going abuzz all day long. How distracting was that for you today? A little bit. I, I was more distracted by my draft that I just started. But <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. I guess we haven't talked about that. You ended up joining an NFBC draft. So why don't you tell everybody about it? Just where you picked so far. Like, where yeah, are you picking in the draft? Sixth pick. Um, I've made three picks so far. Uh, I got Trey at six. Uh, kind of mentioned my thoughts on him on the last show, but mm-hmm. I sh- took Strasburg in round two and Springer in round three. So I feel like I got a pretty good base of kind of everything. Uh, I'll definitely be kind of keeping an eye on RBIs because I know both Trey and Springer hit at the top, and I think that's something yes. you can you can miss sometimes, like not thinking about where guys hit in the lineup. Obviously, that stuff can change, but I don't expect it to with those two. So they're probably more runs guys than ribbies guys. But definitely, um, you know, I'll just be kind of keeping that in my mind as I go through these next few rounds. But really happy with it so far. What's nice about both of them, though, I think they're both 80 to guys who can get 80 RBI, 80 to 90. So they're not even really too bad in the RBI department. I mean, there are guys hitting. Especially Springer. Yeah. There are guys hitting in the middle of bad lineups that are even good players that aren't getting but 80 RBI. I think that was the thing I was always saying about Starlin Marte is before this last year, I should say Walter McMichael's the one I heard say that, which was he, despite hitting third and fourth for the Pirates all those years, he didn't have an 80 RBI season. So, yeah, yeah. there's they're not negatives on that end. So yeah. with you having that going on today – how productive were you at work today? Uh, it was definitely a distraction. But it, was <laughs> fun. it was fine. It was kind of a kind of a slow day, so it worked out. It was a good day to be slow then. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, like I with the winter meetings starting, uh, we did have one thing happen that we will talk about here in a second. But we're going to do a big breakdown on a lot of the moves from this week, the week's winter meetings on next up the podcast early next week. But moving into the news, the big piece of news that happened today was Steven Strasburg. He re-upped with the Nationals after opting out of his contract, signing a seven-year, $245 million extension with the Washington Nationals, which comes to being $35 million a year for seven years. And I think he's 31 now, which this contract puts him all the way up to being 38 years old. 
85 millions deferred. I did hear that today while watching the MLB network. And um, what are your just thoughts on the deal right off the bat, Andrew? Man, it's uh, it's a lot. It's I I love Strasburg. Always have. Uh, he's worth it. But seven years for a pitcher. I, I don't care who the pitcher is. It doesn't matter. Is it's just too long to me? It's crazy. I but, thought we were past this. I thought yeah. teams were smartening up to this. Yeah, I I was telling a guy at work today. We were talking about it, and I was telling him I would rather give somebody. Uh, you know, a pitcher specifically more so than hitters, but shorter deal with, you know, more per year. If it mm-hmm. was me, I know, I know sometimes you don't have that option and you're competing against all the other teams, but man, seven years, it's just, it's just a long time. If, if you go back to 2011 or 2012 right now and look at who the best pitchers in the league were, mm-hmm. you would just laugh, you know, and that's, that's how long seven years is in baseball terms, especially with arms. It just, but at the end of that deal, it'll just be so ugly. But he'll be worth it for the next few years, assuming health, of course. Yeah, eighty-five million deferred, and um, I was listening to an interview with them on MLB Network. They were, I was watching intentional talk this afternoon, and they had the press conference in the middle of it. And I got to say, there was just a lot of BS coming from that meet, from that press conference on both sides. I've got some quotes that I stopped. I was sitting there on the elliptical and I turned it off just to open up my notes so I could write these notes down because I just, on both ends, I was like, oh my gosh, they, these guys are just feeding think lies here to make it sound good. So I've got one for each side. Do you want to hear Scott Boris or do you want to hear Mike Rizzo first? Uh, let's go with Rizzo first. Okay. Mike Rizzo with big contracts like this, you're just as much, actually you're investing more in them as a person than you are as a player. Well, if that was the case, all these character guys would be getting seven year, $300 million contracts. I just, I don't buy that at all in terms of if Strasburg could be the best player in the world, if he was, not playing well, they'd be letting him walk. So that's BS line number one. Yeah. Reaction or move on? Yeah. I mean, you're not, uh, the personality helps, but that's not why they're making the money. So, <laughs> nope. <laughs> so, How okay, about, Scott. Uh, yeah. Boris. Yeah. Boris was saying that the Nationals proved their dedication and care for Strasburg by early in his career choosing to protect him but he didn't like directly say it but what he was talking about was when they shut him down in the postseason when they came to him the Nationals with documentation showing that it's in their best interest to shut him down and the fact that they did that made them have trust in the organization to sign this contract okay all right, Mr. Boris. So let's say the Nationals were only offering six years, two hundred million, and somebody else was offering seven years and two hundred and forty-five. Are they going to actually? Is uh, you know what? They shut a, shut me down in in two thousand twelve, Mr. Strasburg. They shut you down. I think you should take that instead. Yeah, that's uh, 
bunch of BS too. <laughs> I'm just sitting there thinking, my God, you guys are just feeding lines here, trying to I'll make tell, it. I got to share something for the listeners. I um, this afternoon, Justin had messaged me about um, <laughs> about that he had heard this stuff that we're talking about, and he's like, "I'll tell you on the podcast. We'll share it on the podcast or whatever." And I was on the clock, about to make my second round pick in my draft. <laughs> and Strasburg was who I was about to take. I mean, I almost had clicked it. And when he said that, I'm like, no, you need to tell me now because I have to have this information before I click, you know, draft the guy. And he's like, oh, no, it's nothing to do with his value. And I'm like, OK, that's good. Because I was yes. just making sure it was something I wasn't missing. You know, like I was in that moment. I'm like, I kind of got to know right now just so I have it all in front of me but it was just funny because i was on the clock when you sent me that message and he was the guy i was looking at yeah yeah i'm telling you andrew i got a load of crap from this press conference yeah yeah funny so um the learners i think that's the name of the owners of the nationals the owner last week said that anthony rendon or strasburg they were probably signing one but they pro- weren't going to be able to sign the other but then he also said that they're going to today that they're going to keep pursuing Rendon, but let's just say he's right. And I think I, I kind of have this feeling that Rendon's gone now that they've signed Strasburg. Are you thinking the same or are you thinking they still have a good yeah. shot at him? No, he's gone. So last year they let Bryce Harper go. I, I shouldn't say they let him go, but Harper left. Now this year, let's say they had to pick between Strasburg and Rendon. They chose Strasburg. Did they pick the right guy? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I, they're both so good. I mean, it, it's just hard to say. I, I don't really think, uh, it'll, it'll probably wind up coming down to how healthy Strasburg is over the next few years. Yeah. If he's healthy, like the whole, you know, the next three to five years, I, I think they probably did. Yeah. But if he's not, I mean, there's, there's definitely more risk in a pitcher. So, but I, I think in real life, those type of pitchers like Strasburg are just, they're so valuable that there's no, uh, if, if it does pan out to its peak, it's probably worth more than Rendon is. I agree. You know, Rendon's the safer guy to grab of the two of them because you're going to get steady production for a long time, but it's just hard to find guys like Steven Strasburg. These guys yeah. aren't available most off seasons. It's hard to acquire one of those guys while Rendon, as good of a player as he is, how, I mean, it's a step down, but if you were to let him go and you sign Josh Donaldson to a two, three year deal, it's not the yeah. end of the world for that offense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to talk down on Rendon cause he's so good too. Yes. It's just, uh, the, I think it really just comes down to Strasburg's health. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on. That's all I had for the Strasburg thing. Actually, no, I forget. I had one more thing I wanted to talk about, and that is they've got Strasburg now to a seven-year deal. I think they've got Scherzer for a little while now. I don't know exactly what. Their farm system's pretty barren, and, you know, it's because they've graduated guys and They've got a really good major league roster, even if Rendon leaves. They've still got a good major league roster. But, man, 
I'm sitting there looking ahead and thinking about where this franchise could be in about five years as Soto's got another year or two left with the organization under team control. It could be really ugly there in about five years with this team. Yeah, maybe, but I don't think they're too worried about five years from now. No, they're going for it right now. And even if Rendon leaves, do you th- they they could still win a World Series in the next couple of years, possibly, right? I'm not saying yeah. will they, but they could. Yeah, yeah, they definitely can. I mean, anytime you have just that pitching alone, I mean, obviously they did it once, they could do it again. I mean, I don't think losing Rendon is going to change that. I mean, obviously it, it'll change their team some, but with their pitching, they'll be – at least in the discussion, you know? Yep. I agree. Okay. We'll move to a trade that happened last week. And that was between the Padres and the Tampa Bay Rays. Tommy Pham was sent to the Padres for outfielder Hunter Renfro and infield prospect Xavier Edwards. Andrew, I know you're a Edwards fan, but what's your reaction to this deal? Um, I thought it was, fine for both sides i don't uh don't really have a strong preference to either side i'm not a really uh big hunter Renfro fan but edwards is an exciting prospect fam's good i mean it's pretty good trade all around i think yeah i agree the you know the razors have to be so financially conscious and Fam's entering the last year, I think, before he's a free agent. So they're either, they're going to lose him at the end of this year. There's no way he's re-signing right. with them after this year. So to get Renfro, I'm with you. I'm I'm can't stand Hunter Renfro, that type of player. But he d- he does have team control, and he will be handy for them. And then you got Xavier Edwards, who you know that's a prospect we talked a lot about last when we were doing the first-year player drafts these last discussions this last February, he's an exciting prospect. And concerning Edwards... Yeah, not if not if you ask Blake Snow. <laughs> okay, we'll move into that first. <laughs> the live stream uh, comments that... I guess he was on Twitch, is that right? Twitch? I don't even know. I Yeah, probably, I think so, yeah. It was something with the... I know he was playing video games. I know he's a big gamer. Do you know what Twitch is? Yeah, it's something to do with recording. I've heard of it. I don't know exactly, but yeah, there are people. There are people out there that it's like get live paid. streaming. Kind of, yeah, right? they're just live yeah. streaming them playing games with a camera on them. Yeah. And my wife's told me that there are people that get paid lots of money to do this. Sounds crazy. Yeah, that's weird. But anyway, yeah, he, was, he was. He was recording whenever this he found out about this trade one of the viewers or listeners told him about the trade and yes the quote was we gave up fam for renfro and a slap dick prospect <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my gosh Funny. oh man the beauty of today's age where you just always you can be recording just about anywhere and yeah that's one yeah. he wished he could take back you um, said it was you said it was just one year fam right yeah, I'm pretty sure he yeah. has one year left. I didn't double. Yeah. I haven't double checked that, but yeah. do you see that somewhere? I was just. I was going to check it, but I was. I basically was just confirming that was what you said. 
Yeah, that is what I said, but definitely double check me here. I'll start Padres talking are, for a bit. Padres are just constantly shifting around outfielders. It's so funny. Yes, but I kind of like what they're doing here. I mean, with this one, at least they're getting rid of one of their many guys who really isn't that good, and they're bringing in a guy who Tommy Pham is. I mean, he's been really good the last couple of years, and I was looking at roster yeah. resources at their lineup now. And they've got a pretty good looking lineup. They got Tatis Jr. leading off, Famitz hitting second, Machado, Hosmer, and they got Trent Grisham, uh, Fran- Mejia, Francisco Mejia. Uh, oh, is that right? Is that yeah. his first name? Francisco? Yeah. Yeah. Franchi Cordero in center, which I don't expect that to be the case. And then Jerks and Profar. I mean, it's not great on the bottom half, but I still think they're going to make more moves and make yeah, that better. Probably, and that's with. They probably got another move in there. That's with Will Myers and Margot both sitting on their bench. This team. This team is ready to start pushing this year, I think. And I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but they're going to be a fun team. They're going to be a trendy team going into the season. Yeah. I, I can imagine Rip, Will Myers isn't in the lineup, but. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I would think he would get the first crack at that center field job, him or Marco over Cordero, Franchi. But I don't know. Myers really. I don't don't think Myers is playing center, but maybe uh, maybe Grisham. I don't know. Or Fam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Myers definitely wouldn't. I think he'd be left, but. It's all about the strikeouts for him. I mean, his strikeout percentage was, I think, over 30% last year. He's got to get that down because, really, that's the only thing. But he's just striking out so much that they can't even keep – they're not wanting to keep him in there. Yeah. Oh, uh, Hunter Renfro. Now he's in Tampa, and there's opportunity for playing time, but his career high at bats in one season was this last year with 494. Knowing Tampa, they already like playing the platoon game. I th- I got a over under my question for you: four hundred and fifty at bats this year. Uh, I think over, but not by a lot. Yeah, I I definitely don't think it'd be by a lot if he did, but I think yeah, he's going to be I just, under. I don't think. He- I don't think that they're uh, – I'm looking at their lineup now. It's. I just don't know who else they're going to really play over him much. I mean, he could struggle. and Like I said, I'm not a big fan of him, but I don't really think they made this move to not use him. I mean, there's factors that could keep him from getting to 450, but assuming health, I, I think he gets there. So you're looking at the roster right now. Who are their outfielders? Meadows, Kiermaier, and Renfro. Okay. With Cho- with Choi at uh, at DH, and then um, it's like Brousseau and Joey Wendell and Daniel Robertson on the bench. I mean, they can kind of play anywhere, but. They're more infielders. Yeah, they're more infielders, and I don't think those guys are really going to take take away from Renfro. You know, I just I don't really see anybody that's going to do that. So 
I think he'll probably get the at-bats as long as he's healthy. If their roster still looks like this in March, I agree with you. I have a feeling they're going to be signing one of these veterans who's just sitting out there for a while, and that's who end up getting a lot, get, stealing at-bats from them. I don't even know who. I mean, I'm yeah, Steven Souza like, used to be in that organization, and I don't think it'll be him, but somebody like that I could yeah. see coming in. Yeah, I was going to say if they they could maybe even go after like an Encarnacion or something, but that, yeah. won't really, that won't really affect it, though, because he's just going to DH and take from Choi. Choi yeah. ain't going to go to the outfield, so. Yeah, I don't know. It'd probably, if they signed like a, another outfielder, I guess, but it's possible. You do bring a good point, a, though. A lot of time. Okay, uh, last piece of news I've got written down here. It's a guy we've talked about a lot lately, but Chris Sale was recently cleared by Dr. James Andrews to start throwing, and Sale was telling reporters this last weekend that he no doubt will be ready for spring training. So, Andrew, you got your draft and hold going on right now. Does this move him up your ranks right at the moment? Like, do you feel more comfortable taking him with these bits of news that have come out or still about the same? Uh, still about the same. They're just, that's just what he said. Okay. I mean, that's, that's probably what he's going to say no matter what. So no, it's still the same. He went, um, he went 34 overall in my draft, the fourth pick of the third round. Excuse me while I mute my microphone and vomit for a couple minutes. (laughs) (laughs) He was the, uh, one, two, three, sorry to count on air. The 11th pitcher off the board, which I think is where his ADP is. So, Man, is is his ADP around 34? Because that feels it was insanely lower. high. It was, it's like 44, I think. Oh, and I don't even of, like 44. There was, a, there was a lot of pitchers in round two in this draft, but then mostly hitters in round three. But he went in round three. You know, the guy, the guy took Bellinger, Altuve, and Sale as his top three picks. Man, I've been wrong on sale most of his career. I kept thinking his elbow was going to fall off early in his career, and he just kept going out there and throwing 220 innings and striking out close to 300. And I finally bought him last year, and he, it, I against warning signs, and I got burned. There are warning signs again, and I'm out. That probably just means he's going to throw 220 innings and strike out 300 and win a Cy Young this year. <laughs> Knowing my luck with sale. Yeah, I think if I, I don't know, I think if I was picking in the back half of the third round and if I had taken two hitters or something, I would I would maybe do it and then back him up with another guy or maybe even if I took one pitcher, I don't know. It's just hard to say. It depends on what you do in the first two. But like one guy in this draft, he took – Verlander and Bueller, first two. Hmm. So I mean, obviously Man. you're not gonna you're not gonna do it there. But then like another guy took Arenado and Freddie. But I mean, Sale was gone before he got back to that. I'm just saying, if he went around where he's ADP is, then you know, be closer to that. 
You know, I, I don't remember who. Somebody took two pitchers back-to-back in that first and second round in our draft and hold up. We got going on right now, too. I can't, I can't remember for sure, and I don't have the draft in front of me. I was all in on that type of strategy last year, and it didn't work out for me. I still don't hate it. You just got to hopefully get two guys that can stay healthy. And that's why I just don't feel great about it with sale. But yeah. uh, who knows? With pitchers, I mean, what, what was the book on Steven Strasburg? Never stays healthy. And what happened this last year? He fell lower than he probably ever has in ADP since breaking out and through 210 innings and won a World Series. So it's, you yeah. never know. I would urge anybody to not let their mind get too changed on sale based on stuff that people are saying in December. I yep. I don't even care about that that much. It, it's just going to come down to how much risk you can stomach and all that, like we've kind of said before. But uh, the payoff is definitely a top-of-the-line ace. I mean, he's awesome when he's right. It's just – I just wouldn't listen to the stuff they're saying, though. That's regardless of your opinion. Yep. Agreed. That's one of the things that was being asked to me whenever I, I was on the Rich and podcast with Rich and Tim, and they were asking me whenever I took sale in a draft, we were talking about it. And then he asked me, he's like, aren't you worried about these reports and or his arm? And I was like, you know, not really, because there's really good reports coming out. And it just sounds like he's healthy. And you know what? People lie or they get overly optimistic. Yep. Okay. Well, like I said, there's a lot of other rumors rumbling right now with the winter meetings going on, but I'm going to spare us both the speculation until after these guys sign or get traded. And I think we should take a quick break and then get back into some ADP. Sound good, Andrew? Yep, sounds good. Okay, well, Andrew, we're going to fly through these a little faster than we did the top 50. I'm going to list these guys off and just we'll give some reactions to them, guys who you think you'd be aggressive on at that price and or guys you'll be staying away from. And I will add and let everybody know that I updated these. Like I'm looking at these rankings and I pulled them from a couple days ago. So these rankings might be a little different than what I saw last week, but I'm not thinking there's any overlap. I was double checking that. Hopefully we're not missing anybody here, but it looks like it's still the same, at least the same 51 through 60 as in nobody's who was in the top 50s now here. So, okay. Uh, 51, we got Clayton Kershaw. Uh, 52, Giancarlo Stanton. 53 is Luis Castillo. 54 is Lucas Giolito. 55 is Chris Bryant. 56 is Luis Severino. 57 is Eloy Jimenez. 58 is Eugenio Suarez. And 59 is Charlie Morton. And 60 is Victor Robles. Now, I know you've got some opinions on these guys, Andrew. Which ones Which ones stick out to you? Uh, I like, uh, as far as who I like, I like Kershaw in the 50s. You know, you're looking at, with these guys, you're looking at round four. Uh, Kershaw, I'm good with Stanton. I'm good with here. I know you like him. Um, Castillo. I like, I think Castillo is, 
a good guy to take if you missed on pitchers that you wanted in the early, uh, you know, the first three rounds, basically. I think he's a good fallback type ace. Like maybe the last guy that I'm comfortable with is my ace. So I kind of like him. Um, I am totally out on Severino here. Like I, I don't want anything to do with that. Uh, I mean, I, I guess you can argue that he has the upside. I mean, but there's not enough, uh, baked in downside. Like the downside isn't baked in enough here at 56. I, I think he needs to drop. I just would not take him here. The other arms like Morton's behind him. I mean, why? I just, I wouldn't take him ahead of Morton. I wouldn't take him ahead of some of the guys even in the next 10. So yeah, he's too high for me. And uh, I am not in on Robles either at 60. Tantalizing yeah. skills, I guess, but I'm just not completely convinced he can hit. The steals are valuable. He'll get those, and he should play and all that. So that does help with floor and stuff, but I don't think his counting stats will be too good because I don't think he's going to hit at the top of the order. There's maybe more of a chance of that this year, assuming Rendon's gone, but um yeah i just i just not convinced he's that good of a hitter but it's he's not horrible there i definitely severino's definitely my least favorite yes completely agree severino being the least favorite um you know i took him in the draft and hold last year and i think it was the near the end of the third round so we're talking like 42 to 45 range and his adp here is at 56 so the guy has a shoulder injury and misses just about the entire season with a shoulder injury, and we're discounting him like 10 to 15 picks? I just, yeah. I, no, Crazy. thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm with you on Stanton and Kershaw and Castillo, loving those. Bryant's fine there, I think. I, I'm not too against that one. Eloy is interesting here. It feels like it's a little bit high to me but on the same note he finished really strong down the stretch last year and it would not surprise me at all if he blew up on the league um suarez i don't feel great about you know i was talking with somebody about a trade for suarez and the more i dug into him the more i felt uneasy about him in terms of a guy who strikes out as much as he does doesn't walk it i actually i can't remember his walk rate but it i just I don't know if I feel great about buying high on that guy either. And I'm with you on Robles. It's, it's all what's kind of interesting about Robles is this is around where Buxton was going a couple of years ago, just about the exact same spot, fourth round. And I'm, you know, there's a lot of comparisons people have made the hard hit contact, hard hit rates not being high for either guy. Robles doesn't strike out like Buxton at the level Buxton was, but yeah, I, I, I think. He's a guy who I'm going to want to see the elite skills before I'd be able to buy into him in a redraft league like this. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, with Robles, I know we were having to talk the other day about him and Buxton, and I was just saying how the reason Buxton's dropped more than Robles is just because we've seen it Buxton, Buxton be bad for longer, you know. Mm-hmm. We've uh, seen it from Robles, but. I get that there's skills there that excite people. I mean, obviously, he has that type if he can hit. It's just 
That's a big question for me. The thing with Eloy, what what do you think Eloy's batting average is going to be? Two seventy five. Really? See, I I peg him for lower than that. He doesn't strike out too much, and definitely he definitely hits the ball hard. I guess yeah, he could hit that. I just feel like that's a little more on the high end for me. Like the one thing with Eloy, you know, you're not getting steals, so no, you kind of. You know, if he hits 250, then he better be hitting 40 bombs. That's Put what Pete I Pete Alonzo. Right, right. To to justify where your take he's going here, you know. I just feel like his um, – like I don't know if he's going to have a lot of runs scored. I mean, I just – I feel like it's home runs, probably RBIs, and maybe not much else. Uh I like Eloy a lot, but in redraft at this price, I don't know. Just don't know if I'm feeling it. Actually, he struck out more this last year than I thought. Twenty six and a half percent this for in his rookie season. So maybe I am being overly optimistic. But he hit two sixty seven last year, and that was and he finished really strong to where I can see two seventy five. I think he's a kind of guy who, as he gets adjusted in the league, I think he'll be a 280-type hit hitter for quite a while, for a little while. Now, he does need to get an approach and start be, get, get better at the ability to take walks. But I also think that'll happen over time. You know, Nolan Arenado, he, remind, he was a guy who didn't walk much coming up, but he had really good bat-to-ball skills. And as he got up in the bigs and as he adjusted and learned the league, he started taking more walks. And I could definitely see Eloy being that type of player. And I know it's unfair to throw one of the best hitters in the league yeah. as that as the comp, but I've seen this happen with guys over the years. Uh, even like league average guys, like, oh, who just eventually, as they uh, just are in the league for a few years, their walk rates go up. I could see Eloy being one of them. Yeah, I know, but it's only Eloy's second year, though. Yes. You know, I I just I don't know. I, he he definitely has a ton of power, and he's the type of guy that could hit forty five bombs, and it wouldn't yes. even you know wouldn't even surprise me. So it could be worth it. There, I just feel like there's no speed for sure, and I don't think there's going to be. I don't think there's much batting average upside. I mean, anybody can get lucky, I guess, but just. Uh, I'm not sure I'm feeling that there. I I do like I meant to mention I do like Bryant there. I haven't I'm not as big on Bryant these days, but this feels like a pretty good spot to get him. So yeah, he stayed healthy this last year, had a pretty solid year, and he actually moved down around in ADP. So yeah, yeah. But closing on Eloy, I'm with you that I'm probably not buying him in the spot. I'm probably there are guys in the next round I like over him, so I'm probably not getting Eloy in redraft leagues. Okay, moving on, sixty-one to seventy, we got Anthony Rizzo at sixty-one, Manny Machado at sixty-two, JT Real Muto as the first catcher off the board at sixty-three, DJ LeMahieu at sixty-four, sixty-five is Paul Goldschmidt, Yoan Mancata at sixty-six, Tyler Glasnow at sixty-seven. Zach Greinke at 68, Tommy Pham at 69, and you Darvish at 70. So who sticks out to you on this list? What are your reactions? So this is like the 
fifth round, basically. Um, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't really know if I like hardly any of these guys. I, um, Rizzo is fine. I love Rizzo. He's my boy, but it's like, there's guys that I feel like you can take later, like Abreu. They're the same guy, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, they're close. Abreu's about 20 picks later. I get that when you're in that spot, you know, if it's one versus the other, maybe you're taking Rizzo, but I don't know. That's about right, I guess. I, I do still like Manny. Um, I don't know, though. Some of these other ones. Goldschmidt is fine. I, I feel a little bit with Goldschmidt like I do with Bryant. I feel like... Um, this is a good spot for him now. Yeah. And yeah. He moved down 50 spots and he's about where he should be now. Yeah. And of the young, trendy, hyped guys, I like Glass now quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this it's still aggressive. This is aggressive. He actually just went in my draft in the middle of round four. So he went higher than this. He went pick 53. And he's at here. He's at sixty-seven. So it's definitely yeah. not a secret with him. I mean, it, the upside's there to be, you know, potential Cy Young candidate. So everybody's took, kind of getting there. I took him in the draft and hold league that we got going on right now. But I also took him around later. I think it was like seventy-eight or so. So I got him at a discount from there. I like Glass now this year, but I'm not going out of my way to get him here in the sixties. It was one that I passed on until the next round, but I'm with you. I look at this list and I don't see many that I'm like, oh, I really like that. Machado and Tommy Pham are probably my two favorite just because Tommy Pham's a power speed guy and the Machado just discounted down off coming off of a, what people, what was a down year in the batting average department. And yeah, I'll take those two. Um, dislikes. I don't feel great about Mankata up here. And I'm with you on Rizzo's fine here, but uh, there are guys later. Real Muto, I don't think I'd want to take him here in the fifth round as the first catcher off the board. I don't think this is a year where I'm wanting to get the first guy. And if I am, I don't even know if it's real Real Muto. Is he your? Would you be taking him first, him or Gary Sanchez, straight up? It's pretty close. I. Probably Sanchez for me. Mm-hmm. And you can but, wait. Yeah, I'm just never I'm just never in on Real Muto ever. I just never am. But okay. just, I don't know. It's just me. I, I, I can't do Darvish at seventy either. I, mm. man, I cannot do that. We I were just, in Wrigley Field and what when was I there? May? May. Yeah, yeah I was maybe. there in May and he looked absolutely lost. And yeah, I like Darvish. Actually, I <clears throat> I have a dynasty share of him. I like him. Obviously, he's a Cub, and I feel like he's he is good. But I just think there's more downside than upside at pick seventy overall. I just do completely agree. It's not as much of like if he was going at one forty, you'd be like, a hell, heck oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually took him last year when he, I think I got him in like round 
11 or 12, you know, in the same type of draft. So, you know, what's yeah, funny? Year it's like round five. I, I'm just not feeling it. I remember what we said about Darvish in our position previews last year. And it's kind of funny if you think about his first half of this last year, what it was, was all what we said was all he has to do is stay healthy. The production we know will be there. Just stay healthy. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then in those first two months, he looked like a train wreck. Yeah, right. But then he, he looked like the best around. pitcher in baseball after. Yeah, he definitely came around. and Yeah, he did. I get if you want to buy that continuing. It's just age 33, and you've kind of seen it where he could be bad. I don't know. I'm just – this price is a little steep for me. So Glasnow, Grinky, and Darvish went three out of four picks there. Um, it's ranked Glasnow, Grinky, Darvish. Is that how you'd have those three ranked? Yeah, but if you're not comfortable – with Glass now, or you just want the more innings, Granky's fine. Yeah, yeah, those two are fine. Darvish clearly third for me. I'm on board with that. Okay, 71 through 80. We got Josh Hader, first reliever off the board at 71. Noah Syndergaard at 72. Matt Olson at 73. Max Muncy at 74. Joey Gallo at 75. Shohei Otani at 76. Jorge Soler at at 77, Marcus Simeon at 78, Jose Abreu at 79, and Bo Bichette at number 80. All right, Andrew, who, who, who are your thoughts? I should say, who are your reactions here? I definitely like this group more. I, I like pretty much every single guy here. I do not like Otani. Um, but beyond that, I like most of these guys, yeah. I'm not sure if I w- I'm not sure if I would jump in on Hater right there, but um, I definitely like Olson. I'm warming up to Muncie. It's taken me a really long time, but I'm warming up to him. And uh, Abreu, he's fine. You know, he's safe. Bichette, a lot of upside there, and he's obviously going to play. He's dynamic. Bichette could be a steal, honestly, at pick 80. I mean, I don't feel like that's too bad at all for him. He's going to play. He's going to hit at the top of the lineup. Like, he can he can do everything. So, pick 80 is a, for a young guy with, like, helium that they typically get. It seems like this is going to be higher in March than it is now. What's the downside to Bo Bichette? I mean, I mean, I don't even know. There's obviously some downside, but I don't feel like it's pretty safe that he's just going to play and be pretty productive. I mean, that's my that was my point. I think the downside, if you're really thinking about him, is a guy who maybe hits 260 with 20 home runs and 10 steals, and that's me thinking like floor if he's yeah. healthy. That definitely is a bad pick there if he's that, but. But, but yeah, that's floor. Your upside is thirty home runs and twenty stolen bases. Yeah, with a three two eighty to three hundred batting average, and I I just think I think he's somewhere in between that. I mean, if I was projecting, I'd probably project something like twenty five home runs and ten to fifteen stolen bases with a high batting average and scoring you know scoring runs hit on top of that lineup. 
I just I love that pick there, and I think there's yeah. upside for more. One uh, one thing I wanted to share, I heard uh, yesterday, last night. So talking to Matt Olson, about Matt Olson here, uh, it's 73. I heard last night I was listening to the Launch Angle podcast. It's Rob Silver, Jeff Zimmerman, and Van Lee hosted. It's on Fantrax, or through Fantrax. And uh, Rob Silver... He's won the main event. Awesome player redraft. Um, he uh, he just mentioned comparing Pete Alonso and Matt Olson, and basically like saying, you know, it's a great pick here. And the whole time I'm just like nodding my head as he's saying this stuff. And basically he's he was saying, you know, if you played out the season a million times, he probably would take Alonzo 53% of the time, Olsen 47%, you know, to finish higher. But if you really sit back and think about it, it's like Alonzo's going pick, I think, 28-29, and Olsen's going in the 70s. Now, granted, in my draft today, right after I said that to Justin, Olsen went 46. So there's people who are on that, but I do feel like if you – put those guys next to each other i mean can't they basically do the same thing just because yes alonzo did it last year doesn't mean that it won't be olsen this year you know so it was just interesting i definitely was like yeah i mean to me it's like why take alonzo there when you can take olsen here you know it's like paying for last season's stats basically and i definitely uh the whole time i was like this is really good argument for Olsen, if, so. if Olsen hadn't broken his handmate bone out there in Japan or wherever it was they played right before this, like for, on the first game of the season, he might have done what Alonzo did. He absolutely was tearing the ball cover off the ball last year. So, yeah, I, I thought that was brilliant. It, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Also, too, I just want to mention how I mentioned the um, launch angle podcast. Anybody who plays in redraft leagues and wants good um, ADP talk too, obviously we know you're listening to us, but listen to them because they they're doing a really good job. <laughs> I remember um, 1999. That I think that was the year that the Star Wars Episode One came out, and Austin Powers' the second movie came out. And in the Austin Powers trailer, it said, "If you watch one movie this summer, watch Star Wars." <laughs> but if you watch two movies this summer, watch Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. <laughs> yeah. That can apply here. Yeah, it's funny because I haven't I haven't listened to that podcast a lot before this year, but I've just started listening to it recently and their breakdowns, they're kind of going through each round and their breakdowns are really good. And Rob Silver is one of the best. I mean, he, if you're taking advice, it's he's a good guy to take advice from. So good stuff. Go. What do you think? Of, think? What do you think about these guys? Like Otani? I mean, I hate it. I, just I hate that. You're getting like, a guy who's going to be uh, unless you're playing in the daily league, and then I and then he should be going significantly higher. But if you're playing in a weekly league where you're only getting hitting or pitching stats, he's going to drive you nuts because you're either going to be dealing with a guy pitching once a week who. It's not going to throw up 150 innings, I don't think. Maybe maybe he'll throw 150, 
but he's not throwing two hundred. Gosh, no, yeah. I don't think I don't think he's throwing one hundred and fifty. I don't and think the other, so. I, and I I was hearing another argument too, or they were talking about Otani and uh, not that show, but a different one. And uh, one thing that they were kind of saying, and I'm kind of with, it's like, so he, he you know, he p- sets up a lot to pitch on Sundays. At least he has in the past. I don't know how they're going to do it. I mean, who knows? But let's just say he's set up to pitch on Sunday and then, Oh, we're pushing him back a day. Then you miss a whole week's worth of stats because he was in your lineup. You know, this is assuming weekly leagues. I mean, all the NFBCs are weekly. So I'm assuming that daily, obviously, like Justin said, it's different, but then it's like Monday, he's going to pitch. Now you have to decide if you want to use him as a hitter or as a pitcher. And I just feel like it's going to just drive you nuts. I, I'm not uh, not at all into this. It's it's for somebody else, that's for sure. True. Well, uh, Madden, I don't know if you saw this blurb today. He said that he might even DH him on games that he pitches, which doesn't help even if you're in a daily league because you're putting him in a pitcher. But I found that interesting. Maybe they'll yeah, get him in there and get more bats. But, yeah, I'm with you on that. I feel like that they're going to baby him more, though, than anything that they're probably acting like yeah like they're not gonna push that guy they're just not there's there's too much risk he's like the franchise with him and trout you know it's just they're not coming off of what he's coming off of they're just not gonna push him real hard i don't think i think anybody taking him here in a weekly league is gonna just be disappointed and frustrated what about the guy going right after him jorge soler buying high that's what uh, on the big season last year where he had, I think he had like 46 or 48 home runs. Would you be taking him here in round six? I think it's about right. Yeah, I don't think it's uh, – I think it's about right. He's got a ton of power. So, yes, he does. You know, it's just like one of those uh, – I mean, like if if you're taking Eloy 20 picks higher, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's – you could make the argument to take Solaire here. I think it's fine. I I don't love it, but I don't I don't hate it. Yeah, I think there's other guys I'd rather be taking around here, but I, yeah, that's that's also true. And that's a yeah. really good point about Eloy. I mean, you're kind of hoping that Eloy does what Solaire just did. Right. Yeah, what Solaire just did, I mean, was pretty nuts. <laughs> what do you uh I know you took didn't you take Muncie in that draft? Yes, it did. I it was year. a draft and hold, and I specifically wanted the three position eligibility. That's why I took him here, as compared to if it was a regular draft, I probably would rather be taking the guys around him. But being a draft and hold, not really having any double or multi position, and that's not the sole reason. I think he's a really good hitter who the Dodgers in, in a loaded lineup, and he's going to be fine. Third, I, I mean, I'm banking on something like 250 with 30 home runs uh, with a lot of RBI and runs. So yeah. he's fine. He's not somebody who I'm like, got to get, especially in a, a more shallow league, but he's fine. Yeah, I'm with you there. All right, 81 through 90. We got Jeff McNeil uh, at 81, Trevor Bauer down to 82. And then Gary Sanchez, the second catcher off the board at 83. Ramon Laureano at 84. Padres closer Kirby Yates at 85. 
Matt Chapman at 86, Corey Kluber at 87, Eddie Rosario at 88, Carlos Correa at 89, and James Paxton at number 90. This is another interesting list. Um, who sticks out to you, Andrew? Uh, I think the ones that I like the most here are Bauer, Gary Sanchez, and Correa. Okay. Let me, I got I a question those, for you about Bauer specifically. My three. Yep. Bauer last year. Is this kind of similar to what you were telling me last year with um, Chris Archer? You know, we had these long talks on this podcast about, you know what, worst case, you get a 4-4 ERA with a really good strikeout rate, and that'll make him valuable regardless, something like that? Oh, God, don't compare him to Chris Archer. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean the boss, not the pitcher. Um. I mean, yeah, you're going to get K's with Bauer. You know, it's like I uh, I felt like a couple years ago when he had the, the big season, that was kind of the top end. And last year was kind of more towards the bottom end. I don't know. I feel like it's the, the next season will be somewhere in between. I, I just like him here. I think the he Robbie has a chance. Yeah, I think he has a chance to be like um, an ace still, but you know, I I wouldn't necessarily expect it. But you're not expecting it taking him in the 80s, you know. So um, definitely love Sanchez. I always have liked him. I just feel like how many catchers can hit 40 home runs? I'd argue one, mm-hmm. and he may not do it, but. At 83, I mean, it's I just like the pick. And then I feel like Correa, on the whole, is discounted too much for health reasons. Yeah. And one of these years, he's not going to get hurt. And he's going to blow away this ADP. I'm not saying it'll be this year, but this is a good price. I mean, it's end of the sixth round. I like it. And I do like Loriano too, a bit. I was going to ask you about it, him. It's, it's, a bit, uh, it's a bit trendy, too, with him going here. It's not like a major discount, I don't feel like. But it is good still. He's good across the board. Yeah, 24 home runs, 13 steals, and 123 games last year. He, his walk rate dipped down. That was interesting because he was always real good at taking walks all the way through the minors. And- Loriano. Yeah, it was 5.6%. He only had 13 steals? Yeah, is that lower than you thought? Yeah, I thought it was more than that. It was only 123 games, but yeah, I'm looking at his fan graphs page right now. Interesting. Let's see. He was only caught twice, so he was 13 for 15. Really good success rate. Um, Moving on to Correa, the one thing I want to add is what goes under the radar because he was hurt so much last year is he was really, really good before injuries. In that yeah. first half, he was pacing for something. I, I remember I owned him, and I always look at this. He was pacing for 40 home runs in the season. He played 75 games, and he hit 21 home runs. With In those 75 games, 59 RBI and 42 runs. 
you know, only one steal, but if he could actually stay healthy, I believe he could be a four category stud at this point. Yeah. I mean, with the counting stats that the Astros provide, yeah, give I'll I'll gladly take him. Even though shortstop's incredibly deep, I'd love to take him in this round, especially when you look when I look at the people around him. Chapman Chapman's pretty nice too. Who would you rather have, Correa or Chapman? Just position eligibility, knock it out the one, knock it out here. Correa, yeah, because <clears throat> because I I think that I don't know. I just think that there's more upside across the board. Like the lineups better, um, so the counting stats I think will be better. Even though Chapman's counting stats are good because. He's good at getting on base and stuff, but uh, yeah, I just think the overall upside of of uh, Correa is higher, like in batting average and stuff like that, and then the lineup as a whole. I I feel like one of these years Correa's, like I said, he's going to perform like a second round pick or something, you know, and it, it may not be this season, but this is, like I said, it's, I just feel like it's a good price. What um. What do you think about Kluber? No. No. And it has nothing is, to do with the This is actually later than I thought he was at. Oh yeah. But I may I may have just been basing it on your draft. I he definitely went higher than this in your draft. This is the end of round six. I think he went around five early. I can't remember exactly, but I can't remember either. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I mean, before the injury, and it was a hand injury that that shouldn't be a factor at all because that I think it was a comebacker that broke his hand or something. The skills were already not showing well for him, and I think there were some warning signs going on in the previous season. I mean, his stats still in 2018 look great. I don't even remember exactly what, but I remember there being some red flags around him going into last year, even coming off that great season. And now I just, I don't know. I think I that's one of those guys I'd rather get off a little early and be wrong, and maybe he still have one of those good years, than take him when I already have the warning flags up and then just get burned. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm pretty much with you. It's just... It's uh yeah I I don't really like him but it's just later than I thought he was yeah was all that was the only reason I even really really commented okay well let's touch on these last ten of the top hundred Josh Bell who had the amazing first half last year at ninety one ninety two is a Roldis Chapman ninety three is Jose Barrios ninety four is another closer and Roberto Asuna ninety five. Is another breakout from last year, Brandon Woodruff with the Brewers. 96, Hyunjin Ryu, who's a free agent. Uh, batting champion, 97, Tim Anderson. Sonny Gray at 98, Mike Soroka at 99, and Nelson Cruz at number 100. All right, Andrew, these last 10 of this top 100, who's your favorite out of this group? Uh, I mean, it's got to be Nelson Cruz. <laughs> of course. I, I like, just laid uh, that I out like, for you. Yeah, I like Chapman and Osuna here, um, both in round seven. I feel like they're, I mean, 
they're so locked into what they do and they have track record of being good. And I don't feel like it's pushed up high enough. A lot of times these top guys, like these closers, they're pushed up higher than this. Yes. And, um, I don't know. I just feel like Chapman and Osuna are solid enough that they normally would be higher than this. It just feels like a good spot. I'm good with them in round seven. Um, I'm surprised Tim Anderson isn't going higher, honestly, after that year. I'm surprised. This feels pretty solid. I mean, he had a huge season, but 97 it feels like pretty good value for that guy, even if the batting average regresses, which we all know it will. I I still don't feel like it's uh, it's gotten too crazy. And then Cruz at pick 100, I mean – how many times are they going to argue with that? And it, not, you know, it's just every year, man. It's one of these years, I guess it won't happen. But man, sure, it's a, good, it's a good spot. He hit three eleven with forty one home runs, one hundred eight RBI, and eighty one runs. But you know what? He didn't steal a single base. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a stud, and he continues doing it. And yeah, I, you know, Tim Anderson, I wonder if it's part of it is he missed time with injury and that just made his stats not look as great. The 18 home runs and 17 steals as compared to what could have been 25, 25. I wonder if that's part of it. Either that or I wonder if people are seeing that batting average on balls and play in a 2.9% walk rate. And those are the reasons, but yeah, he's not as high as you would think you, I mean, coming yeah. off the year he had. I, I wouldn't have surprised me if he was going in the fifth round, fourth round. Yeah, I mean, like, he's now, after that, and like winning the batting title and all that stuff, he's pretty, I feel like, solidified to hit in the top third of that lineup, at least for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would have to really bottom out, which I would never put it past him to do, but... I don't know, man. I, I think he's gotten a long leash now to hit in a kind of a cozy spot in that order. And the lineup's improving, and he's just dynamic with the stolen bases and stuff. I I definitely don't think it's a bad price. And I'm like I'm just, like I said, I'm just surprised it's not higher off of that year. What do you think about some of these pitchers like uh, Barrios, Woodruff, Ryu, Sonny, Soroka? There's a lot of pitchers here. Sonny's fine. Woodruff I find interesting. Barrios is fine. Um, Ryu, I'll pass. Just a guy who's coming off of a career year whose strikeout rate's not that high, and he's probably going to be pitching in a new on a new team this next year. Soroka's a guy I'm just not in on. That strikeout rate, I'm going to need to see him pitch at a really high level. Maybe he'll be another one of those. Um, oh, shoot. Who was that Nationals pitcher? Jordan Zimmerman who just year after year kept going out there and pitching really well with a low with a low strikeout rate. Maybe Soroka will be the, another one of those type of pitchers. I'm going to have to see it for another year or two before I'd probably be okay buying him there. Um, I think I just covered them all, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm fine with Barrios. I, I don't know. It's I'm probably not taking a pitcher around here. What I've been doing more is getting yeah. two pitchers earlier than this and then just bypassing this run right here and taking bats or closers. I'm much more with you on what you said with Chapman and Asuna here. 
And one thing I wanted to say when you were talking about that was you were saying that usually they go low earlier than this. I think it's the fact of how bad the top five was last year, pushing everybody down. And even though Chapman and Asuna were fine, they're getting pushed down just because of what Edwin Diaz did and what Blake Trinan did. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's just like bad logic to, to yep. do it because I, of that, you know. I mean, I get it could happen again with top guys, but, man, Chapman just every single season. Like, I don't even – he's never once had a bad season. Yeah. Guy's awesome every year. Asuna was my by far my most angering snipe in this draft and hold going on right now. He got taken the pick before me. I think it was the seventh round, so we were nearing pick 100, and he was still there. And I couldn't believe he had made it almost to me and then the pick before he went. I'm still mad about that. Derek Ambrose, if you're listening, I'm still mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was definitely cussing about that one. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I think, well, I, I think I like I think I like Soroka a little more than you, but I, I think I'm with you on Ryu. I think it's a little too much buying into career year, and I kind of like Woodruff. Yes, I'm not sure if he's I'll the be most drafted. interesting to me. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'll actually uh, do it there, but I get it for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's take a little break. I think that closes up the top hundred, and we're going to come back and. Talk about what's coming up, and then I got one more question for you, Andrew. All right, sounds good. All right, well, like I said, next week we're going to discuss the winter meetings, and hopefully, Andrew, we get an entertaining week. Much more than it's been the last few years when it's been pretty dry. And I keep hearing people saying that they're thinking a lot of chips are going to fall this week as compared to the last couple of years. I mean, they're talking Garrett Cole could be signed this week. And let, let me just ask you, yes or no, more likely yes or no, is Garrett Cole signed by this Saturday? Um. I'll say no. I think he will be. Do we want to make a stupid baseball 365 bet on this? Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wait. We, if the, if we we're going to do this now, do, I guess we have to put a time. We definitely have to do uh, more because this is a stupid one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it I'll is. Do it. Okay, so if it has to be announced that he's signed by midnight Saturday night, that he's signed and then he has to actually sign within, well, you know, by Monday. Well, based, wait, by Monday? You just said Saturday. He agrees by Saturday. All right. Okay. I will. How about this? I'll I'll do. No, I'll, it's fine. I'll, it's just, I'll, I feel like it's. Uh, I feel yeah, like it's. Uh, like who's reporting it? You know, it's just there's so much of that. Like, oh, he's yeah. going. Is he signed by next Monday? Is he signed in a press conference by next Monday? How about that? You're definitely extending it now. Well, it's because I forgot about the part that they could agree to a deal on Friday and then they don't press conference it until Monday. 
my guess is since everybody's together, if he agrees to something by Friday, they'll probably have a press conference that afternoon because everybody's all together already. But I don't know. Is Garrett Cole down there in San Diego right now? I don't have a we'll clue. Just say, we'll just say signed by Saturday. I mean, the the press conference, whatever. If there's a if there's a roto, we'll just go roto world. Okay. If there's a note on roto world, you know, it will all know. I mean, I'm okay. Yeah. Midnight Saturday. I'm good Midnight with that. Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to have the press conference by then. That's a dumb bet, by the way. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. I, yes, it is. I'd but you know what? Bet against stuff like that. It could definitely happen, but I'd rather take the whole rest of the off season <laughs> than the next week. But hey, you might tur- you may turn around and do it tomorrow. And hopefully, we get some more good ones this week. Hopefully, we've we've had a lot of comments the last few off seasons about it, calling it a cold stove and everything else. We need yeah. a good winter meeting here. Yeah. All right. Final question. Uh, Andrew, we just finished up week 14 of the fantasy football season. Actually, while we were recording the Monday night football game just came to an end. That means the playoffs are either set or have started for just about every fantasy football league. And I know you play in a few leagues. How'd your seasons go? Awful. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely terrible. This well, year was its kind of a transitional year for me, honestly, with that. I, I um, for a lot of this season, I, I've been following foot, football, but um, the fantasy part of it, I've just lost so much interest in, in the football. I got, you know, during – previous years this time of year at least the last month or so one to two months i'd be listening to a lot of football podcasts and all that like all i've been doing for the last month or two is just listening to baseball stuff still even though the season's over i i don't know my interests have just changed a little bit but i still like fantasy football i just i neglected it a lot this year i didn't do a lot of the things I normally do. And as a result, my team sucked. So that's just kind of how it goes. Yeah. Mine didn't go well either. And it's for, you know, I, I had bad drafts, but I remember when I used to be the guy, everybody talked fantasy football to, and that went, I think a lot of my buddies who knew that I was a huge fantasy football guy noticed it. I remember being in my home league draft in August and there were rookies getting drafted, and I was asking who they were. And one of my buddies just looked at me like, what's happening to you? Because I was always the guy that knew the kids before everybody else. And here I am having no idea who they are. And I was talking with that buddy today. I went and stopped by his work. And he was like, you know what? I think this might be the end of the, this league. I mean, there's a couple people that seem to be losing interest, yourself included. And I think I want to bow, bow out. And this is a league that's been going on since 2002. And I'm not sure we're going to be doing it next year. And yeah, that's just I've, got cr- one, I've got one that's been going since 03. And it's, we haven't really talked about it yet. We'll probably talk about it next season, but I could see it going either way. Put it that way. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I could see it. I could see us holding on and playing another couple years and who knows, maybe it'll, the fire will get found again, but I don't think so. I think this is it. And then I'll just have our little football auction league that I run and 
you know, I'll probably do that regardless just because the chat group's fun enough that I don't care if I throw some money in there and am terrible and just have the chat group on Sundays. It's probably worth doing just for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun, but it's like I was saying earlier this season, I was like, you know, if it's in the middle of the season, like week eight, and, you know, say it's, I don't know, November 15th or whatever, and my choice is to listen to a fantasy football podcast about, you know, the players and who's playing this week or what's going on, you know, who to pick up and all that. That's one choice. And the other choice is listen to talk about 18 year olds that just played in the AFL and I'm 16 year olds who playing in the Dominican. Yeah. And I'm choosing, I'm choosing that more and more and more as time goes on, you know, it's just, uh, this year I just kept thinking about that decision. And every time I was picking the baseball one, so it just kind of, uh, Kind of how it worked out, but definitely you know, showed a result. Definitely showed a result with my fantasy football teams because, like I said, they weren't good. We're both in the minority, I think. Football. I wonder if ESPN and these leagues are still growing. Like they're so big now. I wonder if they're staying flat in terms of amount of people playing, or if they're still growing. I don't think they're going down, and if they are, they're not going down much. Yeah. But we're definitely. It's I, funny because I and still. I are, I still like football a lot. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not even that. It's just the fantasy part of it. I don't know. It's just not quite as interesting to me as it used to be. Well, you and I have talked about this, and part of it is we love the best teams winning, and that just doesn't happen always in football. Actually, oh, the odds yeah. aren't good of it, and that's why we love rotisserie baseball. Whoever has the best full season wins, and it's compared yeah. to just luck of fantasy football. I'm in the same way. I enjoyed watching football yesterday. I didn't care about my fantasy teams. Just enjoyed watching. Yep. Okay. Any any final words before we get out of here, Andrew? Nope. I don't think I got much else. You're on the clock right now. Didn't you tell me that earlier? Yeah, I've made these poor guys wait. (laughs) Okay. Well, round round four. Let's pick 55 overall. So, and who are you thinking about here? Let's let's see if we can figure this out in the, like a minute before um, we get out of here. I am looking at a few pitchers. I, I basically have to decide between if I want to take a bat and then a pitcher, or a pitcher and then a bat. I think I'm going to go with uh, one of each here and. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Like the pitchers are basically Kershaw, Nola, Morton. Probably Kershaw for me. And then mm-hmm. the hitters are um, Vlad Jr. Your boy. Suarez, Goldschmidt, Monsi. Um. Probably Vlad, honestly. It's probably Vlad or Kershaw. I, I, I think I'm taking Kershaw. I, I, I gotta look. I gotta look at this a little bit more, but I think I'm taking Kershaw. I think I would it's be basically, too. It's basically gonna come down to, it, and that's just what I gotta look at. I didn't do it, obviously during the podcast, but basically it's just gonna be 
what do I feel better about getting to me in round five stat wise? You know, do I feel better about the pitchers or the hitter? I do like Cindergaard. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that he would potentially get there, but um, yeah, it's just kind of weighing all that, which I'll do here once we're off the air. Yeah, well, give us your feedback. If anybody wants to tell Andrew who he should have taken, because by the time you listen to this, it'll already it'll have happened. Over. Kershaw versus yeah. Vlad. Tweet him. Yeah, every, everyone will tell me Vlad's an awful <laughs> pick. <laughs> Whatever. I would yeah. say that, but maybe some others will. Yeah, okay, well, don't tweet somewhere. Andrew then. <laughs> no, it's fine. I can deal with it. <laughs> okay, well, um, our, hopefully you're keeping tabs on that somewhere where I can see some results at the end so I can flip it and interview you on that draft, just like you're going to be doing with my myself and Chris Winder here soon. Yeah. yeah, I'll send you some results here. Yep, and I'm hoping over the Christmas break, I'm going to try making a top 100 dynasty list too. Well, that's something I'm hoping that we can do a podcast on sometime in January. That should be fun, too. Oh, yeah. Totally. But until next week, I guess. Take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.